In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, the gospel lesson for tonight is from John chapter 13, the account where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Now, Jesus washed all of the disciples' feet, even the feet of Judas. But when he came to Peter, Peter was uncomfortable with the entire thing. There's something that Peter uh, that made Peter uncomfortable about having Jesus getting close to him or drawing near and putting his hands on Peter's dirty and filthy feet to clean them. Uh, it was too close for comfort. It was a it was a nice cultural gesture to wash feet, but it was gross. <laughs> it was a gross thing to do. Uh, we don't wash people's feet anymore. We don't need to. Our feet are cleaner now than maybe ever in history because we have socks and shoes and deodorant and running water and soap and nail clippers, things like that. Um, yet, with that even being said, I don't think I'd even feel comfortable now uh, touching any of your feet. <laughs> um, it still would gross me out, right? Uh, but back then, uh, feet were much filthier even and gross and unclean. And yet Jesus did this. And we know this, uh, that uh, it, it was still a gross thing to do because we know this because the host of the home wouldn't wash people's feet. It was the job of the servants. And it wasn't just the job of any servant. It was the job of the lowest servant to do this. This was the, the, the short end of the stick, the thing you did not want to get stuck doing. And here Jesus does it when just right before in this chapter, before this text, the disciples are arguing amongst themselves who is the greatest among them. <laughs> now, so you can imagine why Peter is uncomfortable. I imagine that there's a, a modern day equivalent of this. Uh, imagine, <clears throat> for example, that you have uh, uh, just a really difficult month in your life. Uh, you're sick. Uh, you're, you're backed up on a lot of things. Uh, you're losing control of things. Your house is a complete mess. On top of that, you haven't cleaned your bathroom in a month or something like this, and it stinks, and the floor is a mess, and it's just awful. Now, imagine that the, the girl of your dreams um, is coming over, right? This is for guys. Um, so imagine that the girl of your dreams is coming over, the one you want, uh, the one you, you want to propose to one day, and she's just coming up uh, to visit. You're going to marry her one day. And uh, with a messy home, she walks in. And I imagine you'd feel self-conscious about that. And now imagine that she goes to your bathroom and then sees that it's just completely filthy and absurd. <laughs> it's just awful. And she witnesses it. And she sees how you've been living. Now imagine how embarrassing that would be. Now imagine that she then gets on her hands and knees and she starts to clean it. She starts to clean the mess in that bathroom that is disgusting. And you say, look, please stop. Don't do it. I'll do it later. Just don't. This is embarrassing. Let me get to it. Please just go. Go for my home. Uh, you feel physical pain and guilt and embarrassment of <clears throat> having somebody like that that you cherish so much 
entering into a place that is so absolutely filthy and grotesque, a place that you yourself don't even want to be. Um, You wouldn't want her to see those things, let alone have to clean them. I think that's what Peter is sort of going through, but to an infinitely greater degree. That Peter is the one who saw Jesus transfigured. The, the, the glory of the Lord, of his majesty, was bursting forth through the pores of his skin. Through his skin. His face was glowing like the sun. G- Peter saw Jesus do this. And yet here is the same Lord wait, washing his filthy, nasty feet. And so Peter objects and he says, look, Lord, do you wash my feet? Look, you will never wash my feet. In other words, don't do this. Don't do this menial and lowly and degrading task that the lowest servant is supposed to do. It's not for you to do. And then Jesus say, what does Jesus say? He says, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. That is, you have nothing to do with me. And I want you to notice what Jesus does here. He turns this uh, foot washing, this cultural thing, into sort of an object lesson in the moment. Peter says, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus changes the subject and says, not if I don't wash your feet, you'll have no part of me. He says, if I don't wash you, you will have no part of me. It's not about Peter's feet anymore or his flesh or any body part. This is about Peter as a person. He says, if I don't wash you, If I don't wash your heart and your soul and your life, then you have nothing to do with me. And this is when Peter gets it and he says, okay, then Lord, not only my feet, but wash my hands and my head also. And that's what's going on. Jesus is saying, look, you can clean and bathe and scrub your body in every single way. But there is one thing that you cannot clean or scrub away. And that is the sin in your soul. The very guilt that mars your conscience. And if you're self-conscious and embarrassed about how dirty your feet are, if you're embarrassed about how dirty your home is or your bathroom might be, then how much more ashamed should you be of your sin? Your heart is infinitely more gross and disgusting and untouchable than anything else. It is infinitely more vile and revolting than anything on or in or coming out of your flesh. And unless the Lord says, unless I clean you, unless I wash your, your sin away, then you have nothing to do with me. You cannot clean this yourself. I have to do it. And that is what Jesus does. He takes on the form of the lowest servant. Not to just wash our feet, but to wash away sin from your soul. And either Jesus forgives you or you have nothing to do with him. That is the only relationship you have with the Lord your God. God is a God who has everything he, can, uh, he cannot receive or take. He only gives. So the only relationship that you have with the Lord is a relationship 
where he does all of the work, where he does all of the cleaning, he does all of the washing, all of the giving, all of the forgiving, all of the grace, all of the mercy, all of the love. Either he does it all or this thing is not going to work. And that's where Jesus says, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And this, dear saints, is why you come to church. You're not here tonight to serve God. You're here to be served by God. You are not accomplishing anything by coming to church tonight. Rather, God is accomplishing his will for you when you come here into this unworthy building that is not worthy to hold him. And he stands among us, a bunch of people who are unworthy to be in his presence, a bunch of sinful and unclean people. And he lowers himself to not only witness our sins and know them, but to take them away and to forgive them. And you come to church to receive what only God can give you. And that is a clean conscience. Uh, Remember, Psalm 51 uh, this is the psalm we sing every Sunday uh, after, after the sermon, before communion. And this is the psalm that David writes after he commits adultery, uh, adultery with Bathsheba and then murders her husband, Uriah. And then begins, and, and at that moment, uh, Nathan calls him out and calls him to repentance. And then he cries out. And this is what da- David, the king, David said, when in the midst of the depths of his woe and in the depths of his sin, he says this. I, I can't read the whole psalm, but this is Psalm 51. He says, have mercy on me, O God. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Hide your face from my sins. Don't even look at them and blot out my iniquities. Then he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Real quick, uh, the word create there. Uh, is bara in Hebrew, which is the same word at the very beginning of Genesis in chapter one, which means to create out of nothing. So here David is saying, you don't even have anything to work with. It's not that you can reform or change my heart into something better. You have nothing to work with. Create it out of nothing. Create a clean heart in me out of nothing. Now, this is what we cry out every single Sunday and every single life, every single, uh, every single week of our life as a Christian, that there's not one moment that we don't need Jesus and him to wash away our sins. There's not one Sunday, not one week or hour that passes. Uh, remember, 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, There, Peter writes, baptism now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a what? A good conscience. That is a clean conscience. Through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the washing of regeneration. The Lord himself cleans not just dirt from the body, but he washes away guilt from your soul and gives you a clean conscience. So when Jesus tells Peter that he must wash him, 
then he gladly receives this washing in whatever way he, he, he does. So, and this is why uh, he institutes the Lord's Supper right after washing their feet. It's after this that the Lord then says uh, that he takes bread, he breaks it, uh, he, he gave thanks, he broke it. He gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body, uh, drink of it, all of you. This is the cup uh, of, my, uh, of the blood in the New Testament in my blood. And he says, what is it for? It is for the forgiveness of sins. That while washing their feet, Jesus tells them that he was about to wash their souls. And very, uh, a few moments later, he gives them his body and blood to eat for the forgiveness of sins. Now, this is what Revelation 7 is talking about when it says this. That these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in what? In the blood of the Lamb. That is what it's talking about. Isaiah 43 says, I, yes, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I remember your sins no more. Dear saints, Jesus has come to wash away your sin with the blood in his veins and to make you clean and without blemish before the Father. So don't ever be too embarrassed or ashamed to confess your sins to the Lord, to admit your guilt. He already knows your sin. And he wants to wash it away. Why won't you confess it? When you come in repentance and in faith, the Lord will never turn you away. Don't ever think also that you are too sinful or that you are somehow too dirty or guilty that the Lord will not clean you or wash that sin away. There's not one spot or stain that the blood of Christ doesn't cover. And don't think that you've sinned one too many times and that the Lord won't forgive you again and again and again. And every single time you come here to his church, he will be here forgiving your sins day in and day out, not failing you once, not letting one sin pass his sight and covering it with his blood. Don't think that you can try and prepare yourself or get your life together and clean before coming to the church. If you do that, then you will never come. You will never be prepared. Just acknowledge your sin. Admit that you are filthy. Admit that you need Jesus to save you. And trust that there is not one sin that the Lord does not want to wash away. There are thousands and thousands of sins whose memory is stuck, embedded in our minds, sins that haunt us, things that, we're totally, uh, that we totally regret and are ashamed of and embarrassed of. The Lord already knows them and he has forgiven them. And this is why Jesus did all he did. He came to not only win, your, uh, win forgiveness for you, but he also came to convince you that this forgiveness is for you. So that at the beginning of the service, you receive the absolution pronounced on you individually. So that in the sermon, you hear this word of forgiveness pronounced to all of you. 
that in the, the, the very Lord's Supper that you're about to receive, you will eat and drink the very body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of sin so that you would be convinced that the Lord does not hold any sin against you. Now, he wants nothing more than to forgive your sins, and he thinks about your salvation more than you do. And that is why you're here again, not to serve the Lord, but to be served. So repent and put your hope and your trust and your confidence in him. And in a few moments, once again, he will wash the sin from your soul and he will feed you his body and his blood. Micah chapter seven says, who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression. So God be praised this night that he has had mercy on us and that he has presented us as clean and without blemish before the throne of God so that on that last day, you don't have to be worried or ashamed or afraid of what the Lord will say to you. He will tell you on that final day what he told you here tonight, that your sins are forgiven. He remembers them no more. Don't let them haunt you. Don't let these sins or regrets weigh you down. The Lord has forgiven it. Believe it. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.